This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland. My guest is the wonderful actor, Dominic Monaghan. You know best from roles like Mary in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Charles Pace in the show Lost, as well as from films like X-Men Origins Wolverine and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Dominic's latest project is the new AMC series Moonhaven, which takes place 100 years into the future in a utopian colony on a moon. Let's take a listen to part of the trailer for Moonhaven. Welcome to Moonhaven. Moonhaven isn't a people. It's a purpose. It takes a while to get used to this. I get that this is supposed to be our future. But you and I know, darkness finds a way. Hasn't been a murder here in a long time. Now there are two. Earth extremists have found a way to get an agent on the moon. The Earthers will kill us all! There are Earthers amongst us causing chaos. Ah! And your pilot is involved. Bella helps us. She's not what she seems to be. We don't survive in spite of our wounds. We survive because of them. Okay, so we're here to talk about your new series, Moonhaven on AMC. I wonder if you could just help us out and, and tell us what the show's about and who you play. Moonhaven is the story of a, um, a community of people living on the moon 100 years into the future because the planet has become uh, rather uninhabitable. These, these people have created a kind of Eden-like heaven uh, for two or three generations where there are no crimes, everyone kind of pulls together as a community and helps each other out. And uh, when we uh, meet our protagonists, um, they have, for the first time, had to start to explore some rather grisly crimes that have not occurred uh, on the moon for um, a long, long time. And I, I play a, a detective called Paul Sarno, who's quite a innocent, naive man um, who is not well equipped to be investigating a murder, but unfortunately that's that's where we find him. And the thing that's shocking about the series is even though it takes place in the future, it's not that far off to imagine. <laughs> it doesn't, right. it seems like it's, even though it's sci-fi, it's a lot more science than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think we're living in a time where people have become quite cynical about our future, that we are screwed and that um, everything's a mess and that there's no way out of it. Um, and that may very well be the case, but the only way to try and attempt to make our way out of it is to adopt initially the right mindset. And the right mindset is to think that we can solve it and that we can figure it out. You know, there's no point in being negative about anything there's no point in being defeated about a challenge before you begin it. You need to visualize yourself achieving it. And I think a lot of these mooners 
uh, of a mindset that they can do anything and that the future is indeed better. And then they come up against this group of earthers who, like a lot of people currently in their existence and their experience, just think we're all screwed. And I like that they're called Mooners and Earthers because right. again, it seems something very relevant to what we might have today. And the other thing too is, uh, again, part of it that's not too far off is you have people like Elon Musk here talking about you know uh, colonizing Mars and having people uh, live there at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, we've also definitely in books and other films had ideas of having to live off planet because of the damage we do. What do you hope that Moonhaven uh, communicates to the audience that maybe some of these other things haven't yet? I like this idea that the future is better. You know, I like this concept. I think I probably lived my life that way. I, I wake up most mornings and think that my days are improving and that I'm, that I'm walking into a better future for myself personally and for the planet, you know. I think that we're constantly watching sci-fi shows in which we're seeing a dystopian future, a fractured kind of future, a future in which humanity has, has failed. And I like this idea that we're, we're looking at a future in which humanity has not only not failed, but it's kind of flourishing, you know, and then suddenly something comes along that brings it all crashing down. You know, it's a refreshing look at science fiction because it's asking you to um, think of a future in which we're going to be OK. And uh, at the same time, there's also a big element, I wouldn't say of a procedural, but of a, a of a mystery, right? There's a little bit of like a crime mystery because you do play detective and um, there's been so many different famous detectives on TV and film and books. Uh, who's one of your favorite fictional detectives? I don't know. I like Jane Tennyson, who uh, is Helen Mirren's uh, lead character in Prime Suspect. And... Uh, I like a guy called Fitz, played by Robbie Coltrane in a uh, crime detective show out of Manchester, England called Cracker. Uh, those are probably my two favorites. Also, um, the singing detective is is one of the one of my real kind of favorite great shows. Michael, the great Michael Gambon. Um, it's important if you're playing if you're playing into a kind of slightly um, a, a genre that has been well trodden. You need to look at it with um, with a different viewpoint. And I think the viewpoint that our showrunner, Peter Ocko, um, tries to come from with, with Paul San Sarno, the character that I play, and um, Arlo, um, played by Kadeem Hardison, my, my partner, is that these guys are naive and innocent and they think that human beings are truthful and kind and will always do the right thing. And I think that's probably something that we all know is not necessarily true. I, I think that's that's the safe thing to uh, assume. <laughs> and but at the same time, these guys are also um, kind of like not I wouldn't say like the last like step, but it they are kind of on that last tier of preventing really horrible things from happening too. That's got to be a lot of weight to deal with. Yeah, they're the law keepers, you know, they're the police, right or wrong. They are the police. They've never had to discover or, or uh, do detective work into a murder before, but they are the police they are the authority so it's up to them to try and figure it out um you know they very quickly bring themselves up to speed and they very quickly realize that they are when they're when they're kind of playing around with earthers they're they're playing around with people that are you know existing at a much higher level of of uh, crime potentially you know so they need to get better at their job very quickly and that's another thing to enjoy watching with moonhaven is you see the evolution of these characters happen in real time in episode one 
they're almost having fun at a crime scene and they're kind of tickled by the fact that they are at a crime scene, you know. And then by episodes three and four, you know, you find them being, you know, quite kind of um, broken by it all and, and needing to solve it sooner rather than later because they're leaving behind a trail of dead bodies. When you first were pitched the idea of Moonhaven or even read the script, what was it that really drew you to the show? I'm always interested in playing characters, you know, are they, are they well-rounded? Are they new? Can I, can I think of what shoes they would wear, how they would walk, how they would take their coffee, what they would have on a pizza, how they would fall asleep at night. Are they real? Can I make them more real? And with Pulsano, you know, I just kind of, I could see him. I could see the way that he would walk. I could see how he would talk. I could see what he would be like in a bad mood. And when there's a particular scene at the start of the show where Paul and Arlo find themselves uh, at a crime scene with a dead body and you think, oh, okay, here we go with a detective show. And they point this little machine at the body called the Chancellor and the Chancellor tells them the name of the body, how they died, who the murderer is, where you can find the murderer. And when I read that in the script, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. This is a, a world that I don't know, but it's characters that I kind of know and it's something that I can really dive into. And when you talk about like that, that reality, that, that truthfulness to the character, obviously you've been involved with like a lot of other projects that are sci-fi, some very famous ones that also involve a lot of effects, both practical effects and digital effects. And I, I'm sure Moonhaven has a number of effects too. How do you balance finding that realistic or that genuine truth as an actor while also just getting the shot that is needed for an effect artist? Well, it's all real for me. That's my job as an actor. Everything's real. You know, I just need the director to tell me what I'm looking at. And if I'm looking at a, a huge green screen and he says, you know, that's a dragon and, you know, that's a Balrog and that's an army of 15,000 people or, or whatever in between, he, he just, the director just needs to tell me what I'm looking at. That is my job. That's what I'm getting paid for is to say, okay, let me show you what I think it looks like for me to see a dragon and you can direct me whether you want me to dial it up or dial it down. So it doesn't change for me. You know, when we were making Moonhaven, a lot of the views that we were looking at were practical. They were happening. It was, you know, it was what we were seeing. But then there were times where they would say, OK, you're seeing that. But at the very top of that hill is a house. And the same way that I see the forest for real is the same way that I see the house for real. It's 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 a part of my job and it's probably who I am as a person. You know, I'm very big on, on my imagination and on, and on playing with it and on imagery. And it's, it's probably one of the more easier things that I can do in my job. People talk to me about the technicalities of green screen all the time. And not only have I had a lot of experience with green screen, but that's my job. I play make believe it all, it all exists in my head. And, and uh, hopefully I'm, I'm okay at, at showing people that, you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, okay, so the name of our podcast, Dominic, is I'm So Obsessed. What are yeah. you currently obsessed with? 
That's interesting because I am a relatively obsessed person. <laughs> I'm, I'm upset. I've always been obsessed with Manchester United and I continue to be obsessed with Manchester United. I'm obsessed with animals, specifically insects and reptiles, but, you know, a lot of invertebrates. I'm obsessed with a game called League of Legends. I'm currently obsessed with a lot of home cooking. Um, I'm obsessed with gardening. Anything that I'm interested in, I tend to do massive deep dives in, and, and I'm pretty obsessed with those things that I listen. I also know that you're a very avid, uh, you're a very big fan of being outdoors, of act outdoor activities, you're a gardener. And I'm wondering how does that affect something like doing a show like Moonhaven? Like, cause clearly there's a message about climate change and, you know, even like a possible warning about the dangers of that or the consequences. How does that play into that for you? A huge part of, of being a conservationist and, and being an environmentalist is adopting the right mindset. And the right mindset is we have all the means within our power to solve these incredible problems that we have on our planet. Like how does everyone get fed and how does everyone find a house and how does everyone make their way to work without polluting the planet and, and killing it? And we, we have a way of figuring that out as humans. We are the stewards of this planet. And just because we made a mess of it, it doesn't mean that at this point we can just walk away and say, oops, sorry about that. We made a mess and now we're just going to sit back and let generations just suffer with it. We have to figure it out. And the first, the first way to do that is to adopt a very strong, healthy, positive mindset about visualizing being able to solve it. And that is how the Mooners feel. That's certainly how Paul Sano feels. And that's how I feel. You know, I, I'm hopeful about the future, my personal future, the future for my family and for my friends and the future for my planet. Whether or not that exists or not, I don't know, but it doesn't help me regardless of where we end up to think we're screwed. Even if we are screwed, I'm going to say that we're going to be okay. Until we absolutely <laughs> on. Because how does that serve me in my day? You know, it doesn't help. No, I agree. And some people like to dwell in the uh, we're screwed aspect and other people like to completely ignore it. And so having a, a healthier look to that, I think is, is part of part of the aspect of approaching and solving a lot of this, don't you think? Yeah, I think you have to be pragmatic about being uh, someone who's concerned about the planet. You can't be naive and say, listen, we're going to be OK. We're going to be OK and do nothing about it. But, you know, you can't be negative and do nothing about it. If there's two different if there's two different mindsets, one is I'm negative and I'm doing nothing. And the other is the, the other is I'm positive and I'm doing nothing. I would much rather be positive and do nothing. But that's not the way to be. The way to be is to be positive and proactive as opposed to negative and do nothing. I'm not interested in negativity at all. I reject it in all forms. If it comes into my life, into, into my personality, I'm very quick to try and snap myself out of it. But anytime I have friends that are negative, I always, I always try and challenge them on the idea of like, how is that helping? How is that serving you? How is that helping you solve that problem? You know, And uh, I try and challenge myself to feel the same way. I'm just smiling because I'm a very, I have a very similar outlook on life. Yay! <laughs> Yay, it's right. Hey, so speaking of detectives, another thing you're involved with right now is an audible series called Moyarty, The Devil's Game. It's part of the Sherlock Holmes universe. And help me get this right. Are you, I, I don't know much about this. I was just told about this uh, recently. You play Moyarty, but it's the idea is, it's kind of like a what if. What if Holmes is like most, famous nemesis was actually an innocent man. Is that correct? Yeah, I was developing a show with, with a company called Tree Fort Media and that show was in heavy development. And while we were waiting to do that, we were trying to explore, trying to do something that would happen a little bit faster in the podcasting world. And I pitched in this idea of like, what if we look at 
the Sherlock Holmes universe, but from the angle of um, uh, Sherlock Holmes's arch nemesis, who is Professor James Moriarty, and have him can have him be considered the hero in the piece that that Moriarty wouldn't get out of bed and wouldn't approach his life in the same way that he does if he didn't think that he had been wronged, if he didn't think that he was right in doing what he did. So we went down this road of exploring Moriarty as being, you know, at the end of a lot of injustices and that Sherlock Holmes is the dastardly criminal. And um, I was able to get back together with my co-star in Lord of the Rings, Billy Boyd, who plays my right-hand man in Moriarty, The Devil's Game. And uh, we made a collection of, of episodes. It's a little bit like listening to an audio book. It's available on Audible right now. And um, it seems to be finding an audience and doing really well. Uh, I was so excited. Now, um, I have to ask, not only does that sound like really original and a really uh, almost contemporary take on Sherlock Holmes, why do you think Sherlock Holmes and these stories and these characters that are, you know, well over like 140, 100, 100, 100 plus years old are still relevant and resonate with people today? Well, like we we're talking about with, with all of this conversation, they're just great characters. You know, I mean, if you're just taking Sherlock Holmes, um, you know, singularly, he, he's a very complicated character. He's a he's genius. He's a drug addict. He's a lover. He's um, a thinker. He's flawed. He's um, highly intelligent. He's isolated. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on with Sherlock Holmes, and there's a lot going on with the people in his world. Um, you know, Watson's a, fa a fascinating character, and the only person that can even slightly contend with Sherlock Holmes and come up against him in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's work is Professor James Moriarty. He's a master criminal. He's a genius criminal, and he's always kind of gazumping Sherlock Holmes and, and keeping those mysteries alive. So I just thought there's a great opportunity here. We're obviously looking at Sherlock Holmes in a bunch of different ways, but what if we completely spun the globe on its head and looked at this other completely dynamic, hugely um, intelligent uh, character of Professor James Moriarty? As you got to do this role and, and, and research it, was there something about Moriarty that shocked you to discover or that you had forgotten about or, or didn't realize about him? Well, his level of intelligence is, is amazing. Just like Sherlock Holmes, he's a, he's a very fast thinker. He's a mathematician. He's a, master, he's a grandmaster chess player. He's deeply flawed in his personal life with, with women, with his impulses, um, you know, with his decisions in life. He just has a lot of complexities and a lot of things that make him real. You know, not, none of us are black and white. That's the interesting thing about these characters and about humans in general. You know, everyone's very quick to say that person's a bad guy, that person's a good guy. But anyone who's considered a bad guy in, in world history or, or in, uh, you know, the, the history of literature, they think they're a good guy. They're doing the right thing. They're, they're justified in their actions. And I just thought it would be interesting to have a look at that with, with Moriarty. The only true person to have ever been able to, in any small way, best Sherlock Holmes. Okay, so uh, we wrap up uh, our shows with a thing called Pick One. I give you a couple of choices, you pick one. It doesn't mean the thing that you pick is better than the other thing, but let's play Pick One. And the first one I have for you is Pick One, Berlin, LA, or The Shire. Berlin. Excellent. Next one, TV, film, or theater? Film. Excellent. And okay, this I'm, I do apologize for this, uh, but we'll see what your answer is. Pick one, George Best, Wayne Rooney, Ryan Giggs, or Cristiano Ronaldo? Oh, man. That is a stomper. I mean, just if you take them just as a player, 
got to be Ronaldo. I, I don't know, but I think that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before we hang up, is there anything else you want to mention or anything you want to clarify or, or bring up that we didn't get to talk about? I think we're pretty good. I have a weekly podcast called The Friendship Onion with Billy Boyd. You can get it wherever you listen to your podcast. It comes out every week on YouTube and uh, wherever you get your podcast, as I say. And uh, check out Moriarty, The Devil's Game. It's on Audible. And check out Moonhaven. It's on AMC+. Plus. Dude, like a pro. And I guess I didn't intend to ask this question, but if someone's throwing a Lord of the Rings party, what would be the recommended food for such an event? Recommended food would be probably salted pork, um, like kind of a pulled pork thing, pork pies, uh, sausages, um, lots of breads, uh, flagons of ale, cider, mead. I think those are kind of hobbity things, carrots, apples. You want to do like an, an apple pie or, or a rhubarb crumble, something like that. Uh, so it almost sounds like a really nice Thanksgiving thing every day. Yeah, <laughs> similar, so very, very similar. I want to thank Dominic for chatting with me and I want to thank you for listening. You can watch Moonhaven on AMC with new episodes dropping on Thursdays. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Danielle Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox Sowell. And this episode was produced by Rebecca Fleener. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Follow the show for all the updates on Twitter at I'm So Obsessed Pod. And until next time, take care.